0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show At the half hour, we'll listen to Duffy's Tavern A show that was first aired in 1949 But first, and ten years earlier than that, in 1939, we present the Screen Guild Theater.
2: Welcome, everybody. Tonight, your neighborhood good golf dealer joins the golf companies in presenting the second of the Motion Picture Stars Own Program, the Golf Screen Guild Show, with Loretta Young, Fred Astaire, Herbert Marshall, Franklin Pangborn, Gino Corrado, Oscar Bradley, and Hollywood's favorite master of ceremonies, George Murphy.
3: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second Screen Guild show. Hollywood's own program, written, directed, and acted by the greatest names in the motion picture industry. For the benefit of the Motion Picture Relief Fund, last week it was a review. Next week, it's a dramatic show starring Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Basil Rathbun, supported by Louise Beavers. Each week, we bring you a different type show with a different cast of stars. Tonight, it's musical comedy, Miss Brown of Worcester, directed by Ernst Lubitsch, written by Dwight Taylor and Arthur Sheikman under the musical direction of Oscar Bradley. Ready, Oscar? Lights. Music. Curtain. It's four in the morning at the English Manor House of Richard Devon, played by Herbert Marshall. The radio in the darkened drawing room is turned on. In front of it, we find Alice Brown, his fiance, played by Loretta Young. The program she is listening to is a transatlantic broadcast in the famous Sky Room of New York's Hotel Astoria. Jerry Gale, known as the Rhythm Romeo and acted by Fred Astaire, is just beginning his midnight broadcast.
4: Jerry!
5: Alice! Alice! Is that you down
6: there? Yes. Yes, Dick.
5: Now, oh, what on earth? Well, you know what time? Oh, Donnie, are you ill?
6: No. No, I'm all right.
5: I woke up and heard the radio playing. Oh. you Are sure you're all right, Alice? Quite sure. I I
6: just couldn't sleep, hmm. that's all.
5: I don't wonder. Poor girl. That dinner last evening to meet my family must have been a frightful ordeal. No, it wasn't. But they approve of you, darling.
6: Dick. Dick, I want to ask you something.
5: Yeah? Here, yeah, let me put the shawl around you, this place is a refrigerator. You have a red nose for our engagement party.
6: <laughs> Dick. Dick, would you say a girl was, well, immoral to be in love with two men?
5: Oh, depends on the girl. Who is this unfortunate female? It's I. Oh, well, in that case... Huh? What did you say?
6: I said I'm the girl, Dick.
5: Oh, now, wait a minute, Alice.
6: Oh, I suppose I should have told you before I left New York.
5: Well, it might have been a little less of a shock. After all, a man doesn't expect his fiancée... Would it be a breach of etiquette to ask the name of my rival?
6: Jerry Gale.
5: Jerry Gale? Hmm? The American orchestra? The rhythm Romeo? Oh, now, look here, Alice. I know, it's mad and crazy. But he's a public figure of speech, every woman in America. Look, Dick,
6: there are two The Sensible, sober, down-to-the-ground me, quite in love with you. Then there's the other we'll call the foolish, romantic me, in love with Jerry Gale. (laughs)
5: Oh, no, you're ribbing me. Oh, aren't you?
6: He was the leader of a little band at our college prom four years ago. He played the trumpet. Oh, but he was much better on the harmonica.
5: Harmonica? Uh-huh. Oh, this is becoming more and more fantastic, Alice. How long did you know him? A weekend. Only a weekend?
6: Yes. I never saw him again.
5: Well, doesn't it occur to you he must have changed a lot in four years?
6: Oh, he has. Of course he's changed. Nine and the one responsible, Dick. I made him the rhythm Romeo.
5: Now, really, Alice, I can believe a lot of things, but...
6: I introduced him to Shakespeare.
5: You mean William? <laughs> Where?
6: A lake on the campus, in a canoe in the moonlight. I recited Romeo's speech to Juliet. And now now he begins all of his programs with that same speech.
5: Well, his meat was atrocious.
6: He told me to always remember that night. Remember me. Every time I hear him, I know he's looking for me, searching. Oh, oh I know how perfectly stupid this sounds Stupid?
5: Right. It's serious. Even if it is purely mental. We've got to do something about it. Yes,
6: I know, but what can we do?
5: Return to America and see this Jerry Gale. Oh,
6: Dick, now you're being silly.
5: I've waited so long for you. I can wait a little while longer. Until I'm sure of you. But, Dick... Don't worry. If you find he's the one, I'll bow gracefully out.
6: Oh, no, no, I... Oh, if he's
5: not, you can forget him. Isn't that the sensible solution? Well, I... Exactly. We'll sail for America on the very next boat. You're going to feel better or worse within a fortnight.
4: the band. She has played three numbers.
7: Where is Jerry Gale? I am Jerry Gale's manager, not his nursemaid. I'm mm. manager of the Astoria Sky Room. And Jerry Gale comes on time where I make you lots of trouble. Hmm. Thirty musicians, two arrangers, three chunks of music, a harp, and Jerry Gale to look after. And you think that you can make me trouble? Ha, ha. Ha, ha. Right back. I go, but I tell you, he roams at ten o'clock, or, or he roams. Hmm. You think I could take him out of a hat? <laughs>
4: Hello, Lester. Oh, so there you are, Jerry Gale. Where have you been? On the corner of 47th and Broadway, playing a harmonica for three little dirty-faced kids to do the shag. Any objections? If the management ever hears of this. We made 40 cents before we got chased by the cops. Not bad, huh? You'll ruin everything. Everything that i built for you. I and Shakespeare raised your salary to 2000 a week. Look, Lester, you and the Bard have done a lot for me. But honestly, I get so tired of spouting couplets. Maybe you're satisfied with this rhythm Romeo you've created, but I've got to live with him, and I don't like him. (laughs) Oh, stop that. Stop that. A
7: 30-piece orchestra with a concertmaster who plays a genuine Stradivarius, and you play a mouth organ. Don't do that. Why don't you take up something classical, like uh, the harp? You can't play a harp in the bathtub. (laughs) Will you please give me that crazy gimmick? Oh, don't put it in your tailcoat. You'll bulge in the wrong places.
4: Look, Lester. Look, you read my mail, you write my lines, you make my dates and you break them. In short, you pull the strings and I dance.
7: Please, please, will you stop? Romeo wasn't a hoofer. Yes, and this hoofer isn't a Romeo. There's, there, now there's the signal. Now here's your baton. Now don't forget, when you step off the bandstand after your number, you're still Romeo. Greet the girls with, uh, I am too bold. It is not to me she speaks. Romeo and Juliet, act one, scene two.
4: And what do you say when I get cornered with some fair jitterbug? Why, I I interrupt and uh, say your sponsor wants to speak to you. All right, all right. I go and it is done. The bell invites. Ah. Macbeth, act two, scene one.
8: This can't be love because I feel so well No sobs, no sorrows, no sighs This can't be love, I get no dizzy spell My head is not in the skies My heart does not stand still Just hear it beat This is too sweet to be loved This can't be love because I feel so well But still I love to look in your eyes Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, ladies and
5: gentlemen. So that's the Jerry Gale we've come 3,000 miles to meet. Yes, Dick. you quite a decent chap, Ellis.
6: He's just as I remembered him.
5: I'll see if Mr. Gale will join us.
6: Oh, look, Dick, he's seen me. He's coming over. Oh, Mr. Gale, will you play two sleepy people?
5: I
4: am too bold. Not to me if she speaks.
6: Oh, Mr. Gale, your music is too, too wonderful.
4: I am too bold. It's not to me if she speaks.
6: Hello, Jerry.
4: I am too bold. It's not to me if she speaks. Nice reading, old man. Thanks.
6: Jerry. Jerry, don't you remember me?
4: Remember you? Well, of course. Why, why, you're, uh, uh. Alice. Alice. Well, what do you know about that? Alice, uh, uh. uh Brown. Brown, certainly. <laughs> Alice Brown, of course. The Fall Festival of Wellesley.
6: <laughs> no. Spring prom, that's
5: oh, it. Oh, oh yes, yes. You had on a blue dress. I wore red. Remarkable memory, old man. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh,
6: by the way, this is Mr. Richard Devon.
5: How do you do? How do you do? do, do? And it has told me about you, Mr. Gale. Really? Well, that's, uh, that's nice. Huh? Yes, most fortunate the way you came upon the Shakespearean role. Oh, I The The rhythm Romeo angle? Yes, a lake on the campus, a boy and a girl, the moonlight, and you were romantic. No. A hamburger joint on Main
4: Street, me and my manager. It was raining and I was broke. But, Jerry, I... You see, one of the boys in the band made a play for the waitress and she said, lay off, Romeo, and the idea came to Lester just like that. I've been the rhythm
5: Romeo ever since.
6: <laughs> Dick. Dick, let's dance.
5: Alice, darling, you know I don't tango. But you do, don't you, Mr. Gale? Uh... Oh,
6: I couldn't possibly leave you alone, Dick.
5: Nonsense. I'll order dinner for you while you're dancing. Go ahead. Go ahead.
6: Well, well
4: I... Well, I... I, 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 suppose, uh, I suppose we could dance.
6: I suppose we could, if you
4: like. This balcony is a lot better.
6: (laughs) Is that line inspired by Mr. Lester, too? You know, I'm afraid you've got me all wrong, and I don't blame you. No?
4: I got off on the wrong foot, and I can't seem to get back in step again. Well, why, bother? Well, because I do remember you. Oh, not your name, or the school, maybe, or the color of your dress, but I I remember you and everything that happened that weekend. Really? Mm -hmm. You don't believe me? No. All right. Didn't you find my harmonica, and didn't I have to go to the sorority house to claim it? And didn't you make me play it to prove it was mine?
6: Yes. Yes, and then you dated me for the next night. Sure.
4: That was why I stayed over. You
6: called for me in the town's only taxi. (laughs) It
4: was payday.
6: Yes, but we walked down to the lake.
4: And paid a dollar for a red canoe. It was blue. It was swell.
6: <laughs> uh, there was a full moon. Two of them. One
4: upstairs and one down on the lake. Yes.
6: Yeah. And you sang a funny little song, do you remember? There ought to be a moonlight yeah. saving time so I could love that gal of mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you, you recited... What light from yonder window breaks. It is the east. And Juliet
4: is the sun. <sighs> That's it. That must have been why I took left a suggestion. I was remembering you and the way you read those lines.
6: When we reached the shore, you said, beautiful.
4: I didn't mean Shakespeare.
6: And you kissed me.
4: Yes. Yes, I. Oh.
7: Me. I'm Mr. Lester, Mr. Gale's manager. He was at your table a few moments ago. I wonder if you could tell me where oh, he... Uh... Yes, certainly,
5: yes. He just stepped out on the balcony with my fiancée. Oh,
7: thank you. Uh, on the balcony? With your fiancée? Oh, my heavens!
8: <clears throat> oh.
7: Oh, here you are. <laughs> I say, uh, here you are. <clears throat> Mr. Gale, your sponsor wants to speak to you. I say your sponsor wants to speak to you. Mr. Gale, your
9: sponsor!
3: You have just heard Act One of Miss Brown of Worcester with Fred Astaire, Herbert Marshall, Franklin Pangborn, Loretta Young, and Gino Corrado. Now, before we bring you Act Two, we'll
2: have just a few words from John Carney. Ladies and gentlemen, in your neighborhood, perhaps just around the corner, you'll find a good golf dealer. He is an independent merchant who conducts a business to serve you with your motoring needs. We are proud to say that he handles petroleum products, which are uniformly high in quality. Of equal importance is the service which he renders. We are sure you will find him friendly, helpful, and prompt in his attention to your motoring needs, courteous as he serves you. In every respect, a merchant who merits your regular patronage. So the next time you need gasoline and motor oil, stop at the sign of the Gulf Orange disc and ask the good Gulf dealer to service your car. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Curtain is about to rise on the second act of our musical comedy, Miss Brown of Worcester. Alice Brown and her former love, Jerry Gale, the famous orchestra leader, have been doing the town for the past two weeks with the man she is engaged to marry, Richard Devon. Devon has been learning that even in America, three is a crowd. Lights. Music.
7: Curtain. Well, where have you been? Out last time. Out with whom, may I ask, Mr. Gale? The girl I'm in love with. You're not serious. Why, you can't do this to me.
4: Oh, yes, I can. You can't be in love with one girl. You've got to be in love with all of them. Your sponsor expects it. Now, look. I got along all right when I wasn't the rhythm Romeo. When I didn't know what a sponsor was. Yes, and I had a downside better time. You're comparing hamburgers to caviar. I like hamburgers. What's the name of this siren? Alice Brown. And she's not a siren, Lester. She's in love with me. Not the Rhythm Romeo. You are the Rhythm Romeo. Yes, but she isn't in love with him. She's in love with the fellow I was four years ago. Mm. He was a halfway decent chap. He didn't spout Shakespeare. And he wouldn't steal another fellow's girl. You mean there's another man in love with her? Yeah, a grand fellow, too. Look, Lester, I'm in a spot. What can I do? Well, well, you certainly can't marry the girl. No. No, you're right, Lester. I, I can't marry Hmm, now you're talking sense. No woman could be happy married to me with a postman dumping a thousand phony love letters on our breakfast table every morning. Watching me look foolish while fans ask for autographs, grab my hat, tear off my tie for a souvenir. Mrs. Rhythm, Romeo, why, Alice couldn't stand that for a month. Hmm, that's right. That's right, Mr. Gale. That's perfectly right. <laughs> I, I've got to show her that Devin's the man for her now, but I don't know how.
7: Well, you just leave everything to me, Mr. Gale. I'll think of something. <laughs> a Lester never fails. <laughs>
6: Did you see this headline?
5: Uh, how about some tea, Alice?
6: I mean mobilizers on Czechoslovakian... Border. Lemon or milk, darling? Uh, lemon, dear. London building bomb-proof shelters.
5: <laughs> You'll never guess what I discovered these crumpets. Britain debates mobilizing Navy. Imagine selling crumpets at a chemist shop.
6: You know, Dick, this really looks serious.
5: Not the crumpet situation? No, silly. There's trouble in Europe. Oh, time enough to worry when it comes to a head. Marmalade or gooseberry jam?
6: Marmalade, please. Oh, gosh, I'm glad we're in America and out of it.
5: Well, if they have to roll up their sleeves and go to it... I'm still a captain in the Naval Reserve.
6: You? Dick, do you mean that well,
5: Anything's apt to happen these days. But look, you didn't come to tea to discuss the European situation. What's really troubling you? Come on out with it. Dick? Yes? Yeah?
6: I've made up my mind.
5: I thought so. It's Jerry Gale. Yes.
6: Oh, please, Dick, don't be angry no. with me. No,
5: I'm not. Jerry's a fine chap. I'm only really sorry I couldn't have been the lucky man. <sighs>
6: But Jerry doesn't know it yet.
5: I knew it. And so must he, unless he's blind. That's the second Yes? Is Miss Brown there? Yes, just the moment. For you, Alice.
6: For me? Oh, thanks, dear. Hello? Miss Brown? Yes? This is
5: Jerry Gale's
7: manager, Mr. Lester. May I ask the name of your attorney?
6: My attorney? What for?
7: Uh, Miss Brown, as Mr. Gale's manager, it is my unpleasant duty to follow the path of unbroken hearts left at the wayside by the rhythm Romeo. And I do what I can
4: to repair them in a monetary sense. Let me warn you, however, that $3,000 is my top price. Are
6: you speaking for Mr. Gale? Certainly I speak for Mr. Gale. Does he think that I... Why, how dare you call me up, Mr. Lester? How dare you! <laughs>
5: Where's Gale?
7: Uh, rehearsing his orchestra. Oh, he'll be through in a moment. he sit down.
5: Have a cigarette? A drink? No, I don't want to drink and I don't want to smoke. I want to see that Bounder Gale.
7: Well, let go of my coat. No use getting excited. Let me go. <laughs> well, Dick, Mr. Mister Bounder, I mean Mr. Gale, I did... Oh, for heaven's sake, do something. Dick, what's the
5: trouble? I came for the $3,000. What $3,000? $3, the $3,000. Did you sell me something? Do you pay off my check or does your Mr. Lester keep the cash on hand? Look, Dick, what's it all about? Mr. Gale? I, I can explain. Explain? You better talk fast, Lester. You better talk fast and well. Well, uh, well, after our little talk this morning... Oh, um, so you and Gale did have a talk. Oh, sort of a talk.
7: Oh, but Romeo, Jerry, I mean Mr. Uh, Mr. Gale, he, he doesn't know. Right? Oh, Lester, calm <laughs> yourself. Uh, who's calm? is the matter with me. I'm perfectly excited. You told me yourself that you shouldn't marry Miss Brown, so I I only pretended to offer a settlement on the phone. I only... A um, settlement? Uh,
4: why, you what? You me. you you smidge. Oh, oh!
5: I'm beginning to get things straight. Look here, Jerry. Why shouldn't you marry Alice?
4: Oh, because you can give her a sane, decent life, and I can't, Dick. Because I'm a streamlined Shakespearean phony.
5: Alice doesn't think so. After all, she's the one to make the final decision. It won't be hard for her to choose now. There's no explanation I can make she'll ever believe. I wouldn't worry, Jerry. A woman will go any place, do anything, and believe anything when she's in love. You will see it at the Sky Room tonight.
6: But why, Dick? I never want to speak to Jerry again. I never even want to see him. Why must we come here tonight?
5: Because you're really in love with Jerry. You're angry now, your pride's been hurt. But he's a great fellow. you'll be very happy together. I know that.
6: Dick, don't you see that? When two
5: people love each other, there has to be a lot of understanding. You told me this afternoon you loved him. You love him now, don't you? Hello, Dick. It's all right, old boy. I'll be back in a little while.
4: Alice, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know if there's anything I can say. You see, I've been so in the habit of speaking for this Rhythm Romeo that I can't talk very well for myself. There's your music. I'll be right back. No, no, I'll sing it from here. I can reach up to heaven And pluck out a star from the
8: blue It's true But only when you're in my arms I can live without riches And still have a million or two It's true but only when you're in my arms Though I'm ambitious My wishes Have always been simple and few Give me the moonlight The music And sweetheart And armful full of you I can't see myself doing the things that I never could do, it's true, but only when you're in my arms. you believe me,
4: Alice?
6: Yes. Yes, Jerry, I believe you. <laughs> I, I guess I never really doubted you.
4: I wonder if that blue canoe is still on that lake
5: where we left it.
6: Oh, we could go and find out.
5: Well, looks as though I'd walked in on cue. Just in time to offer my blessing, I to say goodbye.
6: Goodbye?
5: It seems that little trouble in Europe we talked about has come to a head. The Admiralty has ordered mobilization of the fleet. I'm sailing on the Queen Mary at midnight.
6: So sailing? In an hour?
5: Uh, is it warm? Lord only knows. Anyway, I'm off. I've just time to drink to your happiness, pack my bags, and make the boat. It's plain water, so I'll make it a plain toast. Here's to Shakespeare, 1938 version. Romeo gets girl. Goodbye, Alice. Luck, Jerry. God bless. Get. Gee, what a swell fellow.
6: He gets his orders and goes. Sure. No sea and submarines.
4: With a man like that on your side, you can't lose.
6: England can't. But we can, Jerry. We may never see him again.
4: Well, what can we do?
6: Well, I... I know what we ought to do. So do I, Jerry. Jerry, I've got to go after him. Bye, Alice. Goodbye. And Jerry, I think you're swell.
4: I like you too. Toasting Miss Brown of Worcester.
5: Throw my luggage in the back, driver.
6: Pier 90, driver.
5: Okay, ma'am. Alice. What are you doing here? Where's Jerry?
6: On the bandstand at the Astoria Hotel, I think.
5: What I thought... Oh, you're, you're, you're coming to see me off.
6: Darling, a girl doesn't take bag and baggage to wave goodbye from a pier. Stupid thing, I'm coming with you. You can't. Why not? Well, Jerry. He sent me.
5: Oh, forgive me, I don't get this.
6: Darling, don't make me propose to you.
5: You mean... Yes.
6: Hello. Oh, my dear.
5: How about a little radio music with that, sir? Why not? <laughs> well, here it is.
6: <laughs> Driver, you know this is the first time I've ever been kissed in a taxi at Fiftieth Street and Tenth Avenue.
3: Oh, this ain't the first time it happened in my cab, ma'am. <laughs>
8: My head is in My heart
5: does not stand still, just in me. This That's the song he sang sweet. to you, our first night in America.
6: Yes. Only now he's singing
5: it to us. See here, Miss Brown. Huh? What about your accommodations on the boat? I got the last stateroom. Oh, no,
6: you didn't, darling. We got the last stateroom. Mr. and Mrs. Devon. <laughs>
3: Just a moment. Loretta Young, Freddie Astaire, and Bart Marshall return as themselves. While they are stepping out of character, here's that stout fella, John Conti.
2: Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to say just a few words on behalf of all of us here in the studio. As you all know, the amount paid by the Gulf people for talent on this program is being placed in a special fund. A fund to build a home to care for the aged and indigent people from all branches of the film industry. We're all of us proud to be associated with such a worthwhile project and with this new kind of radio entertainment. We hope you'll enjoy it, and that you'll tune in every Sunday at the same time for the Golf Screen Guild show brought you with the best wishes of your neighborhood good golf dealer.
6: Say good night, George.
3: Loretta, before I say good night, I want to tell you what a swell job you did. Oh,
6: thanks.
3: And I don't have to tell you how swell I think you are personally. No,
6: you don't have to, but I like it. <laughs> good night, George, and thanks again.
3: Good night, Loretta. And by the way, extra congratulations to you, Bart. Why is that, George? Well, because tonight you
5: got the girl and Freddie didn't. Well, in that case, so long as she's mine, I'll I'll take her home. Good night, George. Good night, Bart.
3: <laughs> good night, MC. Uh, just a moment there, FA. We missed something here tonight. You didn't dance. Well, did you. Well, I don't dance much, Fred. I Why,
4: either. George, you're just a Terpsichorean meanie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Them's bodacious words, the stare bodacious. Oh, I
4: couldn't dance today anyway. My foot's asleep. It's been that way all through the program. Oh, I know how to fix
3: it. that. It's simple. All you have to do is snap it. Look.
4: Like this? That's it.
3: A pretty fair gavotte. That was a pretty fair gavotte for two sleepy feet. I'd like to thank Franklin Pangborn and Gino Corrado for being with us tonight and for a swell performance. Well, folks, that winds up another Screen Gill show. We hope that you enjoyed it. We'll tune in again next week to hear Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Basil Rathman, and Louise Beavers in an original drama, Can We Forget?, directed by Frank Capra and written by Mary McCall. Tonight's Screen Gill show was directed by Ernst Lubitsch, written by Dwight Taylor and Arthur Sheikman. This is George Murphy saying thank you for the motion picture industry, and good night.
2: Next week, same time, same station, the good golf dealer in your neighborhood joins the golf companies in welcoming you to another Screen Guild show... With Oscar Bradley's orchestra and your master of ceremonies, George Murphy. This is John Conte speak. When You're in My Arms is from Fred Astaire's new RKO picture, the story of Vernon and Irene Castle. We are indebted to 20th Century Fox for Loretta Young, who can soon be seen in the picture wife, husband, and friend. Heard on tonight's show were make-believe and why do I love you from showboat. Yesterday from Roberta, thanks for everything from the show of the same name, and this can't be Love from the boys from Syracuse. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Archie the Bartender to take the call from his boss at Duffy's Tavern. <laughs>
0: the
2: hand lotion with the beforehand extra, and Vitalis for well-groomed hair bring you Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, and Gardner. <laughs> Here's the proven way to keep your hair well-groomed. The way successful men in both sports and business keep their hair looking its very best. It's Vitalis and the 60 Second Workout. See how the Vitalis Workout helps your hair, stimulates your scalp, See how it prevents dryness, routes loose dandruff, and helps check excessive falling hair. And see how Vitalis keeps your hair handsome and healthy-looking with never a trace of a greasy patent leather shine. For there's not a single drop of mineral oil in Vitalis. So try Vitalis and the 60-Second Workout. You'll like it, and you'll like what it does for the looks of your hair.
10: Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you lead me? Deed Archie the just speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Oh, nothing new. No. The letter carrier was just in. He delivered a stack of poison pen letters. Yeah, bills. <laughs> well, so much for the bulk of the mail. Uh, <clears throat> now for the complaints. Uh, there's a letter here from the Department of Sanitation. Yeah, they say we'll have to do something about the garbage, Duffy. Yeah, they claim it ate a hole through the bottom of their truck. <laughs> <laughs> well,
9: look,
10: I'll call you back. Uh, what else have we got, Eddie? Uh... Well, they had a personal letter to you from the finance company. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they say if you don't settle up right away, they're going to throw you in jail. Oh, yeah? What else did they say? I don't know. I ain't opened it yet. <laughs> Them finance companies, when you first go to them, they're as sweet as pie. Just overlook a couple of years' payments and you find out they're real
9: character. <laughs> hey,
10: wait a minute. Look here. A letter from the Ritz-Carlton. Hey, who do I know lives at the Ritz-Carlton? Let's see. Yeah, dear Archie, I haven't seen you since our old days at PS4, but have often thought about you. Many's the time I think about our old class motto Sick in Hock Transit Hospice. What does that mean? Nothing. It's Latin. Who's <laughs> it our class code? Uh, we'll be down to see you at the tavern tonight. Signed, your old classmate, Willie Gundig. Willie Gundig. I wonder if I'll recognize him. It's been such a long time since I was in school. Yeah. He was there at the short time. Well, we gun dig. Living at the Ritz carlton Good friend of
9: yours?
10: Well, no. Uh, him and me never hit it off too good, Eddie. He was always rubbing it in because he got better marks than me. When I happened to know it was because he cheated. Cheated? Yeah, he studied.
9: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
9: <laughs> hmm
10: living at the Ritz-Carlton. I never could stand that guy. Always thought he was such a big shot just because his old man owned his own push cart. Always <laughs> walking around with his nose in the air like he was smelling something bad. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, Finnegan. Uh, uh, Finnegan, guess who I just got a letter from? Uh
5: General Smuts? No? Well then I give up.
9: Well uh,
10: uh, can you give me a clue? Well, okay, he was in PS four with us and his initials is W G. Uh, George Washington?
9: <laughs>
10: Wrong again, And It's Willie Gundy. Willie Gundig. You remember him. Remember the guy was always being punished for putting the girl's hair in the inkwells, tying the cans on dogs' tails, or, or putting tacks on the teacher's chair? Yeah. Well, uh, Willie Gundig was the guy that always squealed on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh That Willie
9: Gundig. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs>
10: the guy the yearbook said was the most likely to succeed. Wait a minute, I wonder if I still got that yearbook here in the safe. Uh, good old P.S.A.P. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah,
9: yeah, poor. <laughs> uh,
10: wonderful school. Uh, what memories it brings back. Mm-hmm. And with a the girl all day, huh? Yeah, they, they don't make days like that no more. <laughs>
9: well, here we are,
10: Finnegan, our old yearbook. Hey, look at this picture here. Remember these guys? Oh, You don't? No, that was the graduating class.
9: <laughs> yeah,
10: but look at them now, huh? <clears throat> what a tough bunch of kids that was. Really tough, huh? Eddie, we used to eat the apples and bring the teacher to worms.
9: <laughs> yes,
10: sir, uh, any kid that was in PS4, didn't have a broken nose, was either the principal or a new pupil. <laughs> That's it. Uh, uh, how come the kids are standing around in the shirt sleeves with all that snow on the ground? Eddie, that ain't snow. That's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something. Who, who's the girl on the end with the black eye? The teacher.
9: <laughs>
10: hey, wait a minute. There he is. Who? That jerk. That Willie Gundick. I see. Oh, says, yeah, he was voted the student most likely to succeed. Yeah. Well, uh, where's your picture, Miss Archie? Uh, somewhere there. Hardly white looking but That was a very bad picture. a minute, Arch. Here it is on the next page. Uh, anybody want to see pictures of the girls' volleyball team? Uh... <laughs> no. We want to see your picture. Oh, well... Uh... Here it is. Uh, hmm. Mr. Archie, your thumb. What about it? It's covering what you was most likely to.
9: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Sorry, uh,
10: What does it say, Eddie? Archie, the man most likely to be a failure. (laughs) Must have been a misprint. I don't know. Willie Gundig's living at the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking, I... I bet you that Willie Gundig himself broke them most likely toes there. He's always jealous of me, you know, because of uh, me and uh, Alice Vanderwater. Alice Vanderwater? Yeah, the prettiest girl in the school. Oh, yeah, I remember her, Art. The tall, skinny, bow legged dame with the buck teeth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she was the second prettiest girl in the school. Yeah.
9: Oh,
6: funny thing. I just ran into Alice Vanderwater the other day over on Avenue A.
10: Oh, really, Miss Duffy?
6: Yeah.
10: Uh, Is she married? Yeah.
6: She married Elmer
10: Zinser. Elmer Zinser? Yeah. And guess what? They got 15 kids. 15 kids? Yeah. But I don't think she's very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell me, uh, why?
9: She says she can't stand Elmer.
3: (laughs)
10: Uh, hey, hey, wait a minute, Arch. Uh, is this my picture? Where? Oh, yeah, yeah. Finnegan, what was you doing with the debating team? Arch, what do you think they was debating
9: about? <laughs> hey, wait a minute.
10: Here's one that brings back old memories. Though the old baseball team, we sure had a great ball team that year, didn't we, Finnegan? Good oh, boy, i say. Look. There's Lefty Schultz, a first baseman. Yeah, and Lefty Ryan, a shortstop. And... Yeah, Lefty to the catcher. <laughs> lefty Shapiro, the center fielder. Yeah. <laughs> Georgie Baker, the third baseman. And... Georgie Baker? How come he wasn't left-handed? <laughs> he was. We just ran out of nicknames. <laughs> uh... <laughs>
9: uh... <laughs> right away,
10: in uh... Tell Eddie who is the star of that team Oh, you tell him, boy Well, I don't like to brag Oh, come on, Lefter, tell me
9: (laughs) Well, Eddie,
10: I'll never forget the day we played PS6 for the Division C Championship (laughs) Get this, Eddie, get the drama I'm pitching for PS4, see? It's the ninth inning, there's two out, and the bags is loaded, see? Up to the plate comes home run Feigenbaum.
9: <laughs> the
10: heaviest hitter on PS6. So I give him a cool look in the eye for a couple of minutes and I start me wind-up, see? Eddie, I threw three straight strikes at him. The guy never got his bat off his shoulder. I'm telling you, the crowd went nuts. <laughs> that strikeout won the game for PS4, huh? Uh, not exactly. They, uh, they nosed this out 43 to nothing. <laughs> on account of that Willie Gundig dropping that high fly in the second (laughs)
9: inning. The
10: guy most likely to succeed. Happens a lot of other PS4 guys succeeded, too.
6: Oh, Archie, stop ragging. You know that PS4 turned out nothing but bums.
10: Oh, yeah? What about Al Peters, for instance? Who's he? Only the chief herring salter at the Fulton Fish Market... (laughs) And what about Henry Shaw? Another success? Nearly the head of the Will Call Department of Feinberg's Tiny Tots, Toggery Shop.
9: <laughs>
10: and what about Gus Christopheles, the famous television actor? A famous television actor? Ain't lost a fall in 15 straight bouts.
9: <laughs> <laughs> and they
10: pick Willie Gundig as the most likely to succeed. Hmm. Hey, Ms. Austin, here comes Joe Moran, the radio announcer. Hey, wasn't he one of your pals at PS4? Oh, sure. Hiya, Joe. Hiya, Lefty. (laughs) (laughs)
9: Uh,
10: Hey, Joe, we were just going over the old yearbook here. Uh, uh, You remember Willie Gundig. uh... Willie Gundig? Yeah. Whatever happened to him? He's uh, living at the Ritz Carlton. Say, that's swell. I'm always glad to hear that one of the old gang made good. Yeah, me too Say, I wonder if Willie knows that I am now a radio announcer Well, if he don't, I'll break it to him gentle I'll tell him first that you're dead (laughs) Hey, is is Joe's picture here in the yearbook? Yeah, let's see Oh, yeah, here you are, Joe (laughs) What a silly picture Look at me with my mouth wide open Yeah, even them days you look like a radio announcer
9: (laughs) Look, why
10: do you guys have to open your mouths anyhow, Joe? What do you mean? Well, people never listen to them commercials. Why don't you just save your breath and rate them silent for yourself? But, Arch, if people listening heard nothing but silence, what would they think? That radio had at last been perfected.
9: <laughs>
10: oh, look, Arch, that's silly. You mean I should just stand there and move my lips? Why not? Go ahead. Just move your lips and see if I can tell what you're saying. Well, okay. Oh. Uh, Touche is the different hand lotion, right?
9: Uh-huh.
10: <laughs> it not only keeps hands feeling smooth, they're looking lovelier all the time. Absolutely right. Wait a minute. You studied a bit. I uh,
9: studied a bit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
3: A bit. Okay, we both stuttered a bit.
9: Okay, well, what was it just said?
10: We got to get this thing in here. Why, right, you want to know what I said? What did you say? All right. Truchet also has a unique beforehand extra that protects hands from chapping. Okay, try another one. Right. <laughs> as long as truchet is on your hands, they're guarded against painful chapping. That's right. Water chopping as well as weather chapping. Arch,
7: I didn't say that.
10: Well, I didn't want to make you seem like a blabbermouth.
7: <laughs>
9: but
10: that's all aside to the point, Joe. Tell me something. Look, when Willie Gundy gets here, what can I do to impress him that I am also a big success? You could hide. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Arch, you sound like you're sore at Willie Gundy. Me sore? Why... Just because he's living at the Ritz-Carlton, I'm glad he's a success. Good luck to him. But don't give him too much credit. Don't forget success is all in the brakes. What do you mean it's all in the brakes? Well, take me, nine years ago when I answered Duffy's ad for a bus boy. What about it? If I had looked two inches to the left, I'd have seen that ad for an expert suspension bridge engineer. what? (laughs) What do you know about being a suspension bridge engineer? What did I know about being a busboy?
9: <laughs> what well, I say, it's
10: all in the brakes. Now look, Eddie, when Willie gets here, I want you to bear me out in one little white lie, huh? What's the white lie? I'm going to tell him I'm a millionaire.
9: <laughs>
10: How are you going to explain to him why you're working as a bartender? I'm eccentric.
9: <laughs> yeah,
10: but them clothes of yours. How are you going to explain all them spots? Money
9: stains
10: (laughs) Wait a minute Why couldn't I have Me stockbroker Come in and tell me What a fortune I just made, huh? Who's gonna be The stockbroker? Well, let me see Who could, uh... uh... Eddie, I know What you're thinking But who else is there? (laughs) Uh, Look, Finnegan When Willie Gundy Gets here tonight I want you to tell him That you're a big Stockbroker from Wall Street, see? What's Wall Street? (laughs) Well, it's uh, sort of an unsocial pyramid club.
5: uh.
9: uh,
10: Look, if I'm going to be a broker, shouldn't I know something about stocks? Believe me, you know as much about them as anybody. (laughs) But uh, just in case, I'll try to explain to you quickly how the market works Uh here. You see, the dollar, or as it was originally known as uh, the wampum, uh, it was used as barter until the gold standard came in, see? Now, this change didn't take place just overnight. It took many years of civilization for the dollar to get up to as little value as it has today. Uh, now, to continue, as uh, as you probably know... Uh, Art, uh, let's not take anything for granted. <laughs>
9: okay. Okay. <laughs> As
10: you probably don't know, Uh, (laughs)
9: uh,
10: all business is based on money, you see. Now, when you have money, it's called capital. Uh, When you're trying to get it, it's called labor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is what they call the Dow Jones averages. Uh, In other words, uh, when you buy stocks and they go up, uh, you get a seat on the stock exchange. Uh, But what happens if the stocks go down? Then you lose your seat.
9: <laughs> well, look,
10: uh, 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 if, uh, if you lose your seat, where do you sit? Uh, uh, you sit on a thing uh, called the curb.
9: <clears throat> Any
10: further questions? Yeah. What? How can I be a stockbroker when I can only count up to Ten. With stocks the way they are today You don't have to count any higher (laughs) That is, unless you happen to be Willie Gundig Hmm. He'd probably come rolling down here In a big car Wait a minute, a big car Uh, Eddie, call Mutual 95000 Who's that, the laughing Lithuanian Or the chuckling Czech (laughs) Eddie, quit making up names (laughs) Now give me the phone Hello I'd like to talk to Nick, please. Yes, the giggling Greek. (laughs) Hello, Nick. Uh, This is Archie from Duffy's Tavern. Uh, Send over a Cadillac limousine, will you? The money? Look, Nick, if I buy the car, you'll get the money. Okay. Eddie, uh, I don't think that car will look uh, right standing outside the tavern without a chauffeur. I said, I don't think the car will look right Standing outside the tavern without a chauffeur Now, wait, whoa See, I was hired as a waiter You can also be fired as a waiter (laughs) Well? Will you be needing the car today, sir? (laughs)
9: That's better
10: I'll show that Willie Gundy Good afternoon, sir. I'm looking for the gentleman who ordered the new limousine. I am that millionaire. You? You see any other millionaires around? Uh, come on, chauffeur. Uh, leave us go outside and take a look at the car. Well, there
4: she is, gentlemen. A brand new 1949. Ha! <laughs> Man, with a car like that, I could be the Alley Khan of Harlem. <laughs>
10: Just a second, young man. Uh, looks ain't everything. You know, a car is like a dame. It's what's under the hood that counts. Uh. <laughs>
9: uh, now, uh,
10: if you don't mind, I'd like to check the motor. Check the motor? Look, bud, this is a 1949 Cadillac. I am not impressed by sales talk. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'd like to look over the motor myself. Okay, if you insist. Well, uh, let me lift up the hood here. Mm hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
10: looks like a pretty good motor. You're looking in the trunk compartment. <laughs> huh? But the motor is up at the other end of the car. Oh, just want to see if you know your business. Huh? <laughs> now, tell me, uh, is uh, this the model with the uh, hydrochloride clutch? <laughs>
9: You so know
10: what? Well, I'll try to put it simply. Uh, what is the horsepower? It's 160. On what basis is that computed? Well, it's figured on the basis of 550 foot-pounds in one second, or 33,000 foot-pounds in one minute. I'm afraid you haven't answered my question.
9: <laughs> What I'm trying
10: to find out is, uh, does this horsepower have uh, Timken bearings? Uh, I give up. <laughs> see, Eddie, I got him stumped. Let's see here. Mm-hmm-hmm. Yeah, see, they got a new type carburetor, Bud. That's the horn.
9: Well, <laughs> oh. oh, yes,
10: this is the carburetor over here. That's the battery. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait a minute, here's a cute little gadget there. Hey, what's that thing? That? About? Well, that mixes gasoline with air to form a vapor that explodes when injected into the cylinders Oh, really? What do they call it? The carburetor
9: <laughs>
10: You was doing better than the trunk rack
9: <laughs> You
10: was in there with me,
9: I think <laughs>
10: Uh, look, young man, uh, just, uh, leave the car parked, uh, here at the curb for a few hours and I'll think it over. Uh, by the way, uh, what's the price? Six thousand dollars. Well, yeah, only twelve thousand payments. This is yours. Yeah, it's worth it, though, just to burn up that Willie Gundig. Well, look, young man, as I say, I'll think it over. Uh, just leave it parked here in front of the tavern for a few hours until I make up my mind, huh? Okay. But you don't mind if I take the key, do you? Not at all. Uh, just be sure that you leave the price tag on in a prominent place.
4: What are you doing, Mr. Archer?
9: Uh,
10: hanging up some pictures. Mm. I'll show that Willie Gundig. Look at this autograph here, Eddie, huh? See, sorry, Archie, but I'm marrying for love. Money isn't everything. Signed, Rita Hayward.
9: <laughs> <laughs>
10: me, the man most likely to be a failure. <laughs> Give me another tack, will you? Yeah, yeah. I want to hang up this map of the world. Hmm? Yeah. How's that look, Eddie? Let us see. To Archie, thanks for the loan, signed, France, Italy, and Great Britain.
9: <laughs> and that's
10: the same Archie that was voted the most likely to be a failure.
9: <laughs> Wait that
10: guy gets here. Between me stockbroker, me chauffeur, me Cadillac, and them autographs, I'll have that Willie Gundig borrowing money from me. Wait a minute. This looks like him coming in now. Willie? Archie? Yeah. You ain't changed up bit. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) So you're Willie Gundig, the man voted most likely to succeed. That's right, Arch. You remembered that, huh? I certainly did. Arch, uh, tell me, do you remember the time that... I remember it very well. (laughs) Well, it's great to see you again, Arch. Thank you. I noticed your letter was wrote on Ritz-Carlton stationery. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk to you about. Don't brag about it. There's a couple of other guys that are doing okay, too. Did you see that limousine outside? Yeah. It's mine. Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing so well, Arch. As for me? Uh, just a second. Oh, James. Uh, yes, my lord? Uh, better put the limousine in the garage and get out the convertible. It's beginning to look like rain.
9: <laughs> okay, pal.
10: Uh, James is my chauffeur, you know uh, Oh, a chauffeur, huh? Yes, oh, so, by the way, James uh, Yes, sir? When I go for my usual drive in the park today Be sure to cover me with me buffalo robe uh,
9: <laughs> and
10: take care to tuck me in with the fur side towards me What? Why? Well, you always keep the fur side closest to you You know, it's warmer that way Uh, huh? Too bad the buffalo didn't know
0: that <laughs>
9: will be
10: all, James. Uh, now, Willie, uh, enough about my fabulous success. Uh, <clears throat> tell me about yourself. Well, I'll tell you, Arch. Uh, that Cadillac, you know, cost $6,000. Well, this is sure a surprise, Arch. You know I always thought you'd end up... Well, you remember what the yearbook said about you. Leave us in that park at sleeping dogs. Now, where was we? Uh, oh, yes, you was talking about what a big shot you was. Well, uh, excuse me a minute. Oh, stockbroker. Uh, 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 have we heard anything from the Secretary of the Treasury? Yeah, he says he wants you to send in your taxes. The government needs the money.
9: <laughs> oh,
10: uh, how much is my taxes? Uh? Half a million bucks. Okay, go down to the bank and get it. Wait a minute, forget the bank. Uh, take it out of petty cash. <laughs> Well, Willie, tell me, uh, how are things with you? Uh, Well, uh, just a second. Oh, stockbroker. Yeah. Uh, What's the latest on the ticker? The doctor says not to worry. It's just gas. (laughs) (laughs) My broker was slightly stunned in the crash of '29, you know. But enough about me and uh, my sensational success. Uh, Tell me about you, Willie. Uh, How you doing? Well, frankly, Arch, I could use ten bucks. Oh, stock broke. What did you say, Willie? I could use ten bucks. You mean you're broke? Yeah. But how can you be broke and live at the Ritz-Carlton? I don't live there. I just work there. That is, until yesterday. Then why did you write your letter in their stationery Just to look like a big shot. Well, I can explain that, Arch. Willie, if there's anything I hate, it's a phony. It's...
9: <laughs>
10: Arch, don't get sore. I... Just thought maybe for old time's sake you could let me have ten bucks. It wouldn't mean anything much to a guy like you. Oh, a Cadillac. (laughs) I guess ten bucks ain't going to break a man of my means. Uh, James. Find some
8: other means.
10: (laughs) Uh, You really need the ten, huh, Willie? I sure could use it. Okay, kid. Here's ten bucks. Thanks, Arch. You're still a great guy. And if I run into any of the old gang, I'm sure going to tell him what you did for me. Please, just tell the ones with money.
9: <laughs> uh, well,
10: nice to have seen you again, Willie. He's uh, sick in hot transit hospice. So long. So long, kid. Good old Willie. Nice guy, Eddie. I always liked him. He used to be a failure and... Here he has to come to me for a lousy ten bucks. Ain't it funny how life sometimes works out?
9: <laughs>
10: this is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company.
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you're going to be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Shonwell Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.